Chapter Twenty Nine of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Mark you this, Bassiano. The devil can quote scripture for his purpose. Merchant of Venice. After leaving the proud mansion of the Duke of Buckingham, Christian, full of the deep and treacherous schemes which he meditated, hastened to the city, where in a decent inn, kept by a person of his own persuasion, he had been unexpectedly summoned to meet with Ralph Bridgenorth of Moltrosi. He was not disappointed. The major had arrived that morning, and anxiously expected him the usual gloom of his countenance was darkened into a yet deeper shade of anxiety which was scarcely relieved even while in answer to his inquiry after his daughter christian gave the most favourable account of her health and spirits naturally and unaffectedly intermingled with such praises of her beauty and her disposition as were likely to be most grateful to a father's ear but christian had too much cunning to expatiate on this theme however soothing he stopped short exactly at the point where as an affectionate relative he might be supposed to have said enough the lady he said with whom he had placed alice was delighted with her aspect and manners and undertook to be responsible for her health and happiness he had not he said deserved so little confidence at the hand of his brother bridgenorth as that the major should contrary to his purpose and to the plan which they had adjusted together have hurried up from the country as if his own presence were necessary for alice's protection brother christian said bridgenorth in reply i must see my child i must see this person with whom she is entrusted to what purpose answered christian have you not often confessed that the over-excess of the carnal affection which you have entertained for your daughter hath been a snare to you have you not more than once been on the point of resigning those great designs which should place righteousness as a counsellor beside the throne because you desired to gratify your daughter's girlish passion for this descendant of your old persecutor this julian peveril i own it said bridgenorth and worlds would i have given and would yet give to clasp that youth to my bosom and call him my son the spirit of his mother looks from his eye and his stately step is as that of his father when he daily spoke comfort to me in my distress and said the child liveth but the youth walks said christian after his own lights and mistakes the meteor of the marsh for the polar star ralph bridgenorth i will speak to thee in friendly sincerity thou must not think to serve both the good cause and ball obey if thou wilt thine own carnal affections summon this julian peveril to thy house and let him wed thy daughter 
but mark the reception she will meet with from the proud old knight whose spirit is now even now as little broken with his chains as after the sword of the saints had prevailed at worcestershire thou shalt see thy daughter spurned from his feet like an outcast christian said bridgenorth interrupting him thou dost urge me hard but thou dost it in love my brother and i forgive thee alice shall never be spurned but this friend of thine this lady thou art my child's uncle and after me thou art next to her in love and affection still thou art not her father hast not her father's fears art thou sure of the character of this woman to whom my child is entrusted am i sure of my own am i sure that my name is christian yours bridgenorth is it a thing i am likely to be insecure in have i not dwelt for many years in this city do i not know this court and am i likely to be imposed upon for i will not think you can fear my imposing upon you thou art my brother said bridgenorth the blood and bone of my departed saint and i am determined that i will trust thee in this matter thou dost well said christian and who knows what reward may be in store for thee i cannot look upon alice but it is strongly borne in on my mind that there will be work for a creature so excellent beyond ordinary women courageous judith freed bethulia by her valor and the comely features of esther made her a safeguard and a defence to her people in the land of captivity when she found favour in the sight of king ahasuerus be it with her as heaven wills said bridgenorth and now tell me what progress there is in the great work the people are weary of the iniquity of this court said christian and if this man will continue to reign it must be by calling to his counsels men of another stamp the alarm excited by the damnable practices of the papists has called up men's souls and awakened their eyes to the dangers of their state he himself for he will give up brother and wife to save himself is not averse to a change of measures and though we cannot at first see the court purged as with a winnowing fan yet there will be enough of the good to control the bad enough of the sober party to compel the grant of that universal toleration for which we have sighed so long as a maiden for her beloved time and opportunity will lead the way to more thorough reformation and that will be done without stroke of sword which our friends failed to establish on a sure foundation even when their victorious blades were in their hands may god grant it said bridgenorth for i fear me i should scruple to do aught which should once more unsheathe the civil sword but welcome all that comes in a peaceful and parliamentary way ay said christian and which will bring with it the bitter amends 
which our enemies have so long merited at our hands how long hath our brother's blood cried for vengeance from the altar now shall that cruel frenchwoman find that neither lapse of years nor her powerful friends nor the name of stanley nor the sovereignty of man shall stop the stern course of the pursuer of blood her name shall be struck from the noble and her heritage shall another take nay but brother christian said bridgenorth art thou not over-eager in pursuing this thing it is thy duty as a christian to forgive thine enemies ay but not the enemies of heaven not those who shed the blood of the saints said christian his eyes kindling that vehement and fiery expression which at times gave to his uninteresting countenance the only character of passion which it ever exhibited no bridgenorth he continued i esteem this purpose of revenge holy i account it a propitiatory sacrifice for what may have been evil in my life i have submitted to be spurned by the haughty i have humbled myself to be as a servant but in my breast was the proud thought i who do this do it that i may avenge my brother's blood still my brother said bridgenorth although i participate thy purpose and have aided thee against this moabitish woman i cannot but think thy revenge is more after the law of moses than after the law of love this comes well from thee ralph bridgenorth answered christian from thee who has just smiled over the downfall of thine own enemy if you mean sir geoffrey peveril said bridgenorth i smile not on his ruin it is well he is abased but if it lies with me i may humble his pride but will never ruin his house you know your purpose best said christian and i do justice brother bridgenorth to the purity of your principles but men who see with but worldly eyes would discern little purpose of mercy in the strict magistrate and severe creditor and such have you been to peveril and brother christian said bridgenorth his colour rising as he spoke neither do i doubt your purpose nor deny the surprising address with which you have procured such perfect information concerning the purposes of yonder woman of ammon but it is free to me to think that in your intercourse with the court and with courtiers you may in your carnal and worldly policy sink the value of those spiritual gifts for which you were once so much celebrated among the brethren do not apprehend it said christian recovering his temper which had been a little ruffled by the previous discussion let us but work together as heretofore and i trust each of us shall be found doing the work of a faithful servant to that good old cause for which we have heretofore drawn the sword so saying he took his hat and bidding bridgenorth farewell declared his intention of returning in the evening fare thee well said bridgenorth 
to that cause wilt thou find me ever a true and devoted adherent i will act by that counsel of thine and will not even ask thee though it may grieve my heart as a parent with whom or where thou hast entrusted my child i will try to cut off and cast from me even my right hand and my right eye but for thee christian if thou dost deal otherwise than prudently and honestly in this matter it is what god and man will require at thy hand fear me not said christian hastily and left the place agitated by reflections of no pleasant kind i ought to have persuaded him to return he said as he stepped out into the street even his hovering in this neighbourhood may spoil the plan on which depends the rise of my fortunes ay and of his child's will men say i have ruined her when i shall have raised her to the dazzling height of the duchess of portsmouth and perhaps made her a mother to a long line of princes chiffinch hath vouched for opportunity and the voluptuary's fortune depends upon his gratifying the taste of his master for variety if she makes an impression it must be a deep one and once seated in his affections i fear not her being supplanted what will her father say will he like a prudent man put his shame in his pocket because it is well gilded or will he think it fitting to make a display of moral wrath and parental frenzy i fear the latter he has ever kept too strict a course to admit his conniving at such license but what will his anger avail i will not be seen in the matter those who are will care little for the resentment of a country puritan and after all what i am labouring to bring about is best for himself the wench and above all for me edward christian with such base opiates did this unhappy wretch stifle his own conscience while anticipating the disgrace of his friend's family and the ruin of a near relative committed in confidence to his charge the character of this man was of no common description nor was it by an ordinary road that he had arrived at the present climax of unfeeling and infamous selfishness edward christian as the reader is aware was the brother of that william christian who was the principal instrument in delivering up the isle of man to the republic and who became the victim of the countess of derby's revenge on that account both had been educated as puritans but william was a soldier which somewhat modified the strictness of his religious opinions edward a civilian seemed to entertain these principles in the utmost rigour but it was only seeming the exactness of deportment which procured him great honour and influence among the sober party as they were wont to term themselves covered a voluptuous disposition the gratification of which was sweet to him as stolen waters and pleasant as bread eaten in secret while therefore 
his seeming godliness brought him worldly gain his secret pleasures compensated for his outward austerity until the restoration and the countess's violent proceedings against his brother interrupted the course of both he then fled from his native island burning with the desire of revenging his brother's death the only passion foreign to his own gratification which he was ever known to cherish and which was also at least partly selfish since it concerned the restoration of his own fortunes he found easy access to villiers duke of buckingham who in right of his duchess claimed such of the derby estate as had been bestowed by the parliament on his celebrated father-in-law lord fairfax his influence at the court of charles where a jest was a better plea than a long claim of faithful service was so successfully exerted as to contribute greatly to the depression of that loyal and ill-rewarded family but buckingham was incapable even for his own interest of pursuing the steady course which christian suggested to him and his vacillation probably saved the remnant of the large estates of the earl of derby meantime christian was too useful a follower to be dismissed from buckingham and others of that stamp he did not affect to conceal the laxity of his morals but towards the numerous and powerful party to which he belonged he was able to disguise them by a seeming gravity of exterior which he never laid aside indeed so wide and absolute was then the distinction betwixt the court and the city that a man might have for some time played two several parts as in two different spheres without its being discovered in the one that he exhibited himself in a different light in the other besides when a man of talent shows himself an able and useful partisan his party will continue to protect and accredit him in spite of conduct the most contradictory to their own principles some facts are in such cases denied some are glossed over and party zeal is permitted to cover at least as many defects as ever doth charity edward christian had often need of the partial indulgence of his friends but he experienced it for he was eminently useful buckingham and other courtiers of the same class however dissolute in their lives were desirous of keeping some connection with the dissenting or puritanic party as it was termed thereby to strengthen themselves against their opponents at court in such intrigues christian was a notable agent and at one time had nearly procured an absolute union between a class which professed the most rigid principles of religion and morality and the latitudinarian courtiers who set all principle at defiance amidst the vicissitudes of a life of intrigue during which buckingham's ambitious schemes and his own repeatedly sent him across the atlantic it was edward christian's boast 
that he never lost sight of his principal object revenge on the countess of derby he maintained a close and intimate correspondence with his native island so as to be perfectly informed of whatever took place there and he stimulated on every favourable opportunity the cupidity of buckingham to possess himself of this petty kingdom by procuring the forfeiture of its present lord it was not difficult to keep his patron's wild wishes alive on this topic for his own mercurial imagination attached particular charms to the idea of becoming a sort of sovereign even in this little island and he was like catalan as covetous of the property of others as he was profuse of his own but it was not until the pretended discovery of the papist plot that the schemes of christian could be brought to ripen and then so odious were the catholics in the eyes of the credulous people of england that upon the accusation of the most infamous of mankind common informers the scourings of jails and the refuge of the whipping-post the most atrocious charges against persons of the highest rank and fairest character were readily received and credited this was a period which christian did not fail to improve he drew close his intimacy with bridgenorth which had indeed never been interrupted and readily engaged him in his schemes which in the eyes of his brother-in-law were alike honourable and patriotic but while he flattered bridgenorth with the achieving a complete reformation in the state checking the profligacy of the court relieving the consciences of the dissenters from the pressures of the penal laws amending in fine the crying grievances of the time while he showed him also in prospect revenge upon the countess of derby and a humbling dispensation on the house of peveril from whom bridgenorth had suffered such indignity christian did not neglect in the meanwhile to consider how he could best benefit himself by the confidence reposed in him by his unsuspicious relation the extreme beauty of alice bridgenorth the great wealth which time and economy had accumulated on her father pointed her out as a most desirable match to repair the wasted fortunes of some of the followers of the court and he flattered himself that he could conduct such a negotiation so as to be in a high degree conducive to his own advantage he found there would be little difficulty in prevailing on major bridgenorth to entrust him with the guardianship of his daughter that unfortunate gentleman had accustomed himself from the very period of her birth to regard the presence of his child as a worldly indulgence too great to be allowed to him and christian had little trouble in convincing him that the strong inclination which he felt to bestow her on julian peveril provided he could be brought over to his own political opinions was a blamable compromise with his more severe principles late circumstances had taught him the incapacity and unfitness of dame debich 
for the sole charge of so dear a pledge and he readily and thankfully embraced the kind offer of her maternal uncle christian to place alice under the protection of a lady of rank in london whilst he himself was to be engaged in the scenes of bustle and blood which in common with all good protestants he expected was speedily to take place on a general rising of the papists unless prevented by the active and energetic measures of the good people of england he even confessed his fears that his partial regard for alice's happiness might enervate his efforts in behalf of his country and christian had little trouble in eliciting from him a promise that he would forbear to inquire after her for some time thus certain of being the temporary guardian of his niece for a space long enough he flattered himself for the execution of his purpose christian endeavoured to pave the way by consulting chiffinch whose known skill in court policy qualified him best as an adviser on this occasion but this worthy person being in fact a purveyor for his majesty's pleasures and on that account high in his good graces thought it fell within the line of his duty to suggest another scheme than that on which christian consulted him a woman of such exquisite beauty as alice was described he deemed more worthy to be a partaker of the affections of the merry monarch whose taste in female beauty was so exquisite than to be made the wife of some worn-out prodigal of quality and then doing perfect justice to his own character he felt it would not be one whit impaired while his fortune would be in every respect greatly amended if after sharing the short reign of the gwens the davises the robertses and so forth alice bridgenorth should retire from the state of a royal favourite into the humble condition of mrs chiffinch after cautiously sounding christian and finding that the near prospect of interest to himself effectually prevented his starting at this iniquitous scheme chiffinch detailed it to him fully carefully keeping the final termination out of sight and talking of the favour to be acquired by the fair alice as no passing caprice but the commencement of a reign as long and absolute as that of the duchess of portsmouth of whose avarice and domineering temper charles was now understood to be much tired though the force of habit rendered him unequal to free himself of her yoke thus chalked out the scene prepared was no longer the intrigue of a court pander and a villainous resolution for the ruin of an innocent girl but became a state intrigue for the removal of an obnoxious favourite and the subsequent change of the king's sentiments upon various material points in which he was at present influenced by the duchess of portsmouth in this light it was exhibited to the duke of buckingham who either to sustain his character 
for daring gallantry or in order to gratify some capricious fancy had at one time made love to the reigning favourite and experienced a repulse which he had never forgiven but one scheme was too little to occupy the active and enterprising spirit of the duke an appendix of the popish plot was easily so contrived as to involve the countess of derby who from character and religion was precisely the person whom the credulous part of the public were inclined to suppose the likely accomplice of such a conspiracy christian and bridgenorth undertook the perilous commission of attacking her even in her own little kingdom of man and had commissions for this purpose which were only to be produced in case of their scheme taking effect it miscarried as the reader is aware from the countess's alert preparations for defence and neither christian nor bridgenorth held it sound policy to practise openly even under parliamentary authority against a lady so little liable to hesitate upon the measures most likely to secure her feudal sovereignty wisely considering that even the omnipotence as it has been somewhat too largely styled of parliament might fail to relieve them from the personal consequences of a failure on the continent of britain however no opposition was to be feared and so well was christian acquainted with all the motions in the interior of the countess's little court or household that peveril would have been arrested the instant he set foot on shore but for the gale of wind which obliged the vessel in which he was a passenger to run for liverpool here christian under the name of ganlas unexpectedly met with him and preserved him from the fangs of the well-breathed witnesses of the plot with the purpose of securing his dispatches or if necessary his person also in such a manner as to place him at his own discretion a narrow and perilous game which he thought it better however to undertake than to permit these subordinate agents who were always ready to mutiny against all in league with them to obtain the credit which they must have done by the seizure of the countess of derby's dispatches it was besides essential to buckingham's schemes that these should not pass into the hands of a public officer like topham who however pompous and stupid was upright and well-intentioned until they had undergone the revisal of a private committee where something might have probably been suppressed even supposing that nothing had been added in short christian in carrying on his own separate and peculiar intrigue by the agency of the great popish plot as it was called acted just like an engineer who derives the principle of motion which turns his machinery by means of a steam-engine or large water-wheel constructed to drive a separate and larger engine accordingly he was determined that while he took all the advantage he could from their supposed discoveries no one should be admitted to tamper or interfere with his own plans of profit 
and revenge chiffinch who desirous of satisfying himself with his own eyes of that excellent beauty which had been so highly extolled had gone down to derbyshire on purpose was infinitely delighted when during the course of a two hours sermon at the dissenting chapel in liverpool which afforded him ample leisure for a deliberate survey he arrived at the conclusion that he had never seen a form or face more captivating his eyes having confirmed what was told him he hurried back to the little inn which formed their place of rendezvous and there awaited christian and his niece with a degree of confidence in the success of their project which he had not before entertained and with an apparatus of luxury calculated as he thought to make a favourable impression on the mind of a rustic girl he was somewhat surprised when instead of alice bridgenorth to whom he expected that night to have been introduced he found that christian was accompanied by julian peveril it was indeed a severe disappointment for he had prevailed on his own indolence to venture this far from the court in order that he might judge with his own paramount taste whether alice was really the prodigy which her uncle's praises had bespoken her and as such a victim worthy of the fate to which she was destined a few words betwixt the worthy confederates determined them on the plan of stripping peveril of the countess's dispatches chiffinch absolutely refusing to take any share in arresting him as a matter of which his master's approbation might be very uncertain christian had also his own reasons for abstaining from so decisive a step it was by no means likely to be agreeable to bridgenorth whom it was necessary to keep in good humour it was not necessary for the countess's dispatches were of far more importance than the person of julian lastly it was superfluous in this respect also that julian was on the road to his father's castle where it was likely he would be seized as a matter of course along with the other suspicious persons who fell under topham's warrant and the denunciations of his infamous companions he therefore far from using any violence to peveril assumed towards him such a friendly tone as might seem to warn him against receiving damage from others and vindicate himself from having any share in depriving him of his charge this last manoeuvre was achieved by an infusion of a strong narcotic into julian's wine under the influence of which he slumbered so soundly that the confederates were easily able to accomplish their inhospitable purpose the events of the succeeding days are already known to the reader chiffinch set forward to return to london with the packet which it was desirable should be in buckingham's hands as soon as possible while christian went to moltrassi to receive alice from her father and convey her safely to london his accomplice agreeing to defer his curiosity to see more of her until they should have arrived in that city 
before parting with bridgenorth christian had exerted his utmost address to prevail on him to remain at moltrosi he had even overstepped the bounds of prudence and by his urgency awakened some suspicions of an indefinite nature which he found it difficult to allay bridgenorth therefore followed his brother-in-law to london and the reader has already been made acquainted with the arts which christian used to prevent his farther interference with the destinies of his daughter or the unhallowed schemes of her ill-chosen guardian still christian as he strode along the street in profound reflection saw that his undertaking was attended with a thousand perils and the drops stood like beads on his brow when he thought of the presumptuous levity and fickle temper of buckingham the frivolity and intemperance of chiffinch the suspicions of the melancholy and bigoted yet sagacious and honest bridgenorth had i he thought but tools fitted each to their portion of the work how easily could i heave asunder and disjoint the strength that opposes me but with these frail and insufficient implements i am in daily hourly momentary danger that one lever or other gives way and that the whole ruin recoils on my own head and yet were it not for those failings i complain of how were it possible for me to have acquired that power over them all which constitutes them my passive tools even when they seem most to exert their own free will yes the bigots have some right when they affirm that all is for the best it may seem strange that amidst the various subjects of christian's apprehension he was never visited by any long or permanent doubt that the virtue of his niece might prove the shoal on which his voyage should be wrecked but he was an errant rogue as well as a hardened libertine and in both characters a professed disbeliever in the virtue of the fair sex End of chapter twenty nine